I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson and I'm joined today by Martin Riley and Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, mate, pretty good. Glad to be back. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, so yeah, nice to be back. Yeah, I feel like there was you've been away for a few weeks and then I wasn't hit on for the mm. few before that, so I feel like it's ages since I've done a, a pod with you. Yeah. What about you, Martin? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Can't complain. I've had a day off work today, so I've just been spending it watching some Norwich and just generally chilling. So yeah, it's been a good day. Yeah, we're recording at a slightly earlier time today, of uh, just after six o'clock. So I'm guessing you won't have you won't have had your tea yet. No, I haven't had my tea yet. Um, but we do have plans to have some um, burgers with chips, uh, some butchers burgers, not anything frozen or anything like that. We've got some nice um, cheese and onion rolls to go, to go, uh, go with them. So we've got sort of like cheese and onion baked into the top of the bread roll. So it's, I'm looking forward to that. Very good. Sounds nice. Um, I, I did Manchester Hard Marathon yesterday, so my body is absolutely aching today. Like I've just gone for a walk just to try and stretch my legs because they were just, I was like cramping up just sat on my desk today. Um, so yeah, and I didn't sleep very well last night because of it for some reason, which seems like counterintuitive, but... Here we are. Um, is there any news to talk about this week? Because obviously, this we haven't got a um, review review pod because there wasn't a game at the weekend. So, is there any Leeds United related news that anyone could think of? There was a Wales game, I suppose. Um, uh, three of our players were in the Wales game, um, but international football isn't real football. Um, but Ampadu and Rodden and Stan James all played, and I think Stan James and Ampadu and Rodden all had games. So, there's, there's that, I guess. Yeah. Some fans will, will care about that. It sounds like they all played well, doesn't it? From just from headlines, but it sounds like they're they're doing well for the national team. So that's nice, indeed. Yeah, when I was trying to think about potential news earlier, I completely forgot that there was international football. On. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. That was a discussion point. I think there's also Archie Gray, who was up against Charlie Crew, um, on the uh, both levels in under 19s. I want to say, 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. They they faced they faced off against each other in under nineteen football. Um, so yeah, that, that was another one which was of interest. To some I, I didn't watch any of the international games because, like we've talked about this pod lots of times, it's not real football. I don't care about it until it gets to the important parts. Yeah, I, I watched the England game on Friday, and that was rubbish. <laughs> and that's 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 the only international football I've watched over the brain. Was that the Australia game? Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. I watched maybe half an hour of it, and yeah, it was awful. Almost as bad as the rugby union that I tried to watch the other day, but that's another another conversation. Was that the England rugby? It was. It, well, <laughs> disclaimer: I'm I'm a rugby league fan. I think rugby union's an appalling sport, and I I just I sat down to watch it just to think, hang on a minute, you know, just to say, go on, I give it a chance, and I was like, yeah, this is an appalling sport, and I turned it off. It was the Ireland New Zealand game, and apparently that was a good game, but. That was a really good game. Yeah, I, I didn't really follow rugby, but I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it was an appalling sport. <laughs> it's an appalling game. If that's good, then I hate, I hate to see what the bad games are like. That's yeah, bit of controversy there. Yeah, it's like rugby union is one of those. I kind of, I kind of, I watch just the big tournaments. But apart from that, I also don't understand. I have a clue what's going on half the time. So, um, but yeah, I quite enjoyed that game. So, anyway, back to a, a round ball now, rather than a elliptical one. So we're here today to talk about the Norwich City game, because we played them on Saturday. So we haven't got an opposition preview for this one, unfortunately. So I'm going to make Dan and Martin talk about Norwich for the uh, next section of the pod and try and work out how their season's been and how they play. So let's get started on the opposition analysis. So Martin, could you run us through the recent results and form for Norwich and if anything significant has changed for them recently? Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, they've had a Pretty rough time in the past like five or six games. They got off to a pretty good start in the league at the moment. In the first, I think, six games, they were unbeaten, winning five of those opening six games. So they really got off to a really good start. Um, but then it all sort of went wrong in around late September and they went, they lost three games in a row, including a 6 2 smashing on the out from Plymouth. Which I don't think they would have been expecting that. Yeah, I didn't expect to yeah, see a bit that. Of a rogue one. <laughs> yeah, very rogue. Uh, Plymouth put up like fr- over three xg. Um, so yeah, looks like it was a bit of a mental game, and yeah, their their fans will not have been best pleased with that. And then in the more recent results, that the, the match beat Birmingham um, a few weeks back two 0 and then they've lost against Swansea two one, and most recently drew against Coventry one one. Uh, so yeah. It's a bit of a mixed bag, good open start to the season, but then they've tailed off. Um, I think that's as a result of them having some key players injured. Um, both Josh Sargent and Ashley Barnes have, have been injured, so that has affected the way they're going forward. I'm not sure you can really put it to blame for the 6-2 defeat, of course. I think their, their decline is relatively the same as what it is. There's been no major changes tactically other than trying to a new front lineup because Barnes and Sergeant were their front, front two kind of thing that they was going for. So yeah, that's impacted them quite heavily. I think I think the the Plymouth game was the first game without Ashley Barnes. They'd already lost Josh Sargent at that point. So I think that was the first time that that, that they had neither of them. If that makes sense. So uh, let's move on to how they play then. So Dan, how do you, uh, do you want to run through how they set up in possession? Yeah, so they, they they have a back four, the standard back four in build up and and a kind of double pivot mid midfield. But the, the full backs get very high and wide, and what happens is one of the centre mids tends to drop in to make a back three in build up quite often. So it'll often be Kenny McLean, um, he'll drop in and 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 the centre backs will separate out. 
And then the second centre mid, usual Gabriel Sara, and the fullbacks will form quite a, like a, a line in front of that. And what they tend to do is the wingers like dropping quite narrow with the number 10 or the second striker. And they kind of play a little bit, a little bit. I don't want to say too strongly, a little bit like Jesse Marsh's leads in that, you know, they have quite a narrow kind of front four with the fullbacks holding width. And there's a lot of kind of direct balls through, kind of up, back and through type play. Um, in, in build-up. So what the centre-backs will do is they'll move it around side-to-side with, with McLean, who's also like an auxiliary centre-back, and they'll wait for an opportunity to play through to either the 10s or the narrow wingers. Or what often what often they'll do is the wingers will run inside to drag a, a marker out, and then what they'll do is they'll play a direct ball out to the full-back, who's quite wide and very high up the pitch. So the full-backs start you know, cl- approaching the halfway line from kind of build-up. So that's kind of how they build-up. So kind of a bit kind of very German, kind of, you know, that kind of kind of direct transitional ball from the back, but they're kind of fairly patient. They wait for the moment to go and then go quite quite aggressively, I found. Um, in terms of like approaching the, the penalty box, so again, like I said, they do a lot of up, back and throughs and then they'll try and release a fullback almost as a winger once they've kind of drawn the opposition into a kind of a, into the middle of the park. Um, and what they tend to do then is they'll have a couple of strikers and obviously the narrow wingers attacking the box. So yeah, it's, it's it's quite a kind of frenetic style, but it's actually quite fun, and you know there's a lot of nice little rotations and combination play in in in, in the way they build up and attack. Um, they've got some really tidy players in the middle of the park that I really like, like McLean who drops in um, as part of build up. Gabriel Sarah, the centre mid, really good player, really like him. I think he's possibly destined for a, a high level in time. And they've got a young guy who's broken through this year called John Rowe, who's who's the hot prospect, and he plays on the wing sometimes or at number ten. Or the second striker, and he's like I say, he's very. He's I can't remember how many goals he's got, but he's got a lot of goals this year. But he's just a really, really, really quick, like like, like sharp guy, and he'll he can he's really, really good at receiving the ball in the half turn in tight spaces, and turning and running at the opposition and, and getting combination play off off the forwards or the, the the alternate winger. So that's kind of how they attack and how they go at teams. Um, and it's quite fun. They're quite a fun team to watch. Really enjoyable. Um, so. It, as part of prep for this 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 um, this podcast, I watched one of the games from early in the season. They beat Millwall fairly handily at home, third game in maybe, and then I watched them the Birmingham victory, which was recent. And the difference in the two performances, I, I think, is, in terms of their attacking players, in early in the season they had Ashley Barnes. People might remember him from his Burnley time, and he kind of played as a second striker. And, it, and what he was, he was a really useful kind of reference point, so they could play up to Ashley Barnes, and he was really good at kind of laying it off to these kind of quick fun attacking midfield players they've got on wingers uh, and they could build attacks from there and and I kind of I noticed that they because he's injured uh, of late in the Birmingham game which they did win in the end but they didn't really have that reference point and I found a lot of their attacks were kind of breaking down and they really struggled to get into that that kind of final third whereas when Ashley Barnes was there that they kind of struggled with that so I kind of wonder if Ashley Barnes is, is one of the key reasons why they're now struggling whereas early in the season where they weren't and they were looking like a very good team early on. I think they kind of lack that kind of that reference point and that kind of target target man type uh, profile in the in the forward line. But of you know, good fun team and quite fast paced. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with a lot, lot of what you said there, uh, Dan. It's uh, a fun side to watch, and there definitely are some parallels between what you mentioned earlier of the narrowness of the attack, Alan Jesse Marsh. But I would say they probably have more impression ideas than what most than the have. Um, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I don't want to kind of. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, they've got more ideas, and and they don't just like pump it through and try and try and, and try and get like uh, counter pressing. It feels way more structured than the, you know the 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 way better than we ever were holding onto the ball. If that makes sense, 
you know they don't it's not just yeah yeah it's not just it's not just it's not just pumped forward into a dangerous area it's like it's it's way more structured and it's gonna it feels way more controlled and they won't play it if the option's not on you know it's, it's, yeah exactly exactly that I, I found that there was quite good and um i think in the, the games that i watched i watched um one of their more, more recent games against swansea and mm. against leicester they were handily beaten by leicester but leicester do have a lot more quality all, all across the pitch mm. Um, but they did threaten Leicester in quite a few moments. And I think, especially early in the game, if they'd managed to score from the opportunities they had, it could have gone a totally different way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they definitely are a team that we need to watch out for what they do on the, on the ball. And all, all your observations that, I meant, that, I, that you said there about the fullbacks getting high and wide, I've noticed the same thing. So, yeah, it's all spot on there, Dan. I did have a quick look at the underlines um, before, and Norwich come up six. In the Championship, 18.2 expected goals. The for reference, Leicester are top with 20.6. Um, and Leeds are fifth with 19, so pretty close in that department. Um, it's quite sort of... I, I don't really remember uh, Wagner in the Championship all those years ago for Huddersfield. Um, my kind of memory of his teams are in the Premier League, just getting battered by everyone. So I don't I didn't really have a good memory of what the possession stuff was. So yeah, I've just, from what I've seen, yeah. Completely agree with you guys, and I think they're quite a bit entertaining going forward. So, um, should be interesting in that regard. What about the out of possession stuff, Martin? Yeah, they're quite an interesting side out out of possession. Um, they've got a number of different approaches that they make depending on who the opposition that they're facing, and I think it's quite heavily weighted as to whether they are at home or away. I purposely watched um, a game where they were at home and a game where they were away. And the away game against Swansea, um, they were pretty standard mid-block that I saw in that game. Um, it looked more like a 4-4-2 when they were in, the, in their out-of-possession structure. So it's quite similar to the way that we press, actually. Uh, you'd see um, the yeah. attack, attacking midfielder also join the striker to make a 4-4-2 systems to press from. So that was the way it looked away. But then when they're at, at home, we've got a much more intense style of pressing. And, and that was even against Leicester, who was a game which they were at home. They weren't afraid to press Leicester. And they had quite often a lot of bodies around Leicester's built areas. And it was almost at times um, man-to-man press. Um, they would put up their midfielders onto Leicester's midfielders. And they would have um, their central players split, their central striking. So the striker and the 10 would be split. And they would be that on the two centre backs and they're just trying to force errors. Leicester were able to play play through it quite nicely um, because they are so good and it does seem like Maresca is, is a approach of getting through those sort of pressing structures. But yeah, it is definitely something that we'll have to watch out for is their press. And it is possible that it could cause problems. And there was, it was it's similar to it, the intensity which we saw from Southampton when they pressed us. So, yeah, I do think that that is something which could cause us issues if they do decide to go with a high press, which I expect they will if they were confident enough to press Leicester. I don't see why they wouldn't as well as well. So, just to build on that, Martin, so obviously you've said at home they press, like kind of regardless of the opposition. <laughs> In the other game, did they sit a bit deeper? What And if so, what did that look like? It was more of a mid-block. It was just a pretty, pretty standard mid-block, which um, they would have um, in away games. So it's, it's, it's the same structure, 4-4-2 pressing as where it would be um, in their home games. But it's just you know, it's high up the pitch, uh, just more looking to win the ball around the halfway line and breaking from there. 
Okay, so that makes sense then. Yeah, so I guess you'd expect, like you said, on against Leeds that he'd come out high regardless of our. I would expect so. Yes, make but us being one of the better teams in the division. Yeah, um, Dan, did you have anything else that you saw about the our possession stuff, or what did you make of what Martin said? Yeah, well, I, I, I basically agreed. One thing I noted with the first watch, which was the Millwall game early in the season. Straight away, I was thinking, oh, this is like Lees and Demarsh, and they had like a front four that were really aggressive and really went after the opposition, and they kind of folded over onto the touchline. And, you know, nearly near enough everybody was on the, the near side half of the pitch, and it kind of straight away, I thought, oh, if we can get a fast switch, we'll hurt these. That was that was my first thought. Um, but then for the game against Birmingham, which was, it was the same day we played Southampton, actually, so it's fairly recent. Uh, and I felt it was way more the, the the press and the kind of general defensive shape was way more standard and it was way more in terms of its spacing and they weren't kind of pressing over to the touchline quite so much and quite so aggressively. So I don't know if that's just a personnel thing, you know. The you know perhaps Josh Sargent was the press leader uh, and he's out and they don't have that kind of guy and you know like I say Ashley Barnes is missing. So I wonder if 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 it's a personnel thing or if it's if it's something that that Wagner's done to tone down the press because they've been done. Perhaps maybe they got done by Plymouth or something, and in that heavy defeat, and then they just changed the tone. But yeah, I basically agree with Martin and the general approach, and it'd be interesting to see how aggressive they do come at Leeds because there was definitely a difference between the early season and more recent season performances that I watched, but I didn't watch all the games, obviously. I'll say on on that point where you mentioned there, Dan, the personnel in the game where they were pressing high was without Bands and without Sergeant, so so I, I don't th- I don't think it is a personnel thing. It is. So that's something that he does like to do is to press high no matter the personnel that he's got and yeah 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 so I, I don't think that should change too much um because the other the other guys have got in around the forward line um adam Ida, he's also a good a good out of possession striker yeah so, yeah true so he's he can fulfill that same massage i think thinking about it logically they were playing birmingham who just played over the top probably so there's probably just wasn't much opportunity for it actually yeah. logic yeah probably a bit of that mm-hmm. i've had a look at the underlying numbers again um and Norwich are currently fourth for most ex- expected goals conceded in the league with 18.4. Rotherham are top with 20.4 for reference and Leicester are bottom with 9.9. If I'm just looking at their XG numbers now. Just This is just an FB ref and the numbers were quite good early in the season. They were like one of the best teams in the league and it's it's kind of dropped off, hasn't it, of late with the with the form. It's kind of matched the, the numbers, but they've they've had a couple of really high concessions in terms of they played Southampton and considered 3.7 XG in the season and also against Plymouth 3.2 and against Leicester 2.3 so they've had amongst the kind of other games where it's 1 and one, not 0.5 there's a couple of where, where they've been really broken apart and considered like a lot of chances so I don't know what to read into that but yeah like if it goes wrong for them it can really go wrong by the looks of it. You you answered my question Dan before Sorry. I even asked it that was like telepathic <laughs> yeah. it was so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's fine. That's we got what we wanted out of that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess just to follow up a bit more, you you, you both sound quite—I don't know—not impressed. Probably impressed might be a bit strong, but you seem, both seem sort of quite interested in the way that Norwich set up out of possession. But obviously, those numbers now—they might be inflated by certain games. Might be like suggest that they're not that good. So I guess what why. Would a dive obviously that overall total expected goals number is big, but if you're saying this in big games, what what makes you think that they can concede those uh, those games with large amounts of chances? I'll, I'll come to you on this one, Dan. I think there's two things. I I don't think the back line is up to a great deal. Um, so and the fullbacks play so high and wide, and they've got two centre backs who I wouldn't say they're the best centre backs in the world. So I just think 
there's there's going to be opportunities for teams that are good on the counter and good at kind of switching the ball fast to really hurt them. And if you're a kind of a slower build-up team and you give them a chance to get into shape, then you might not hurt them. So perhaps it's teams that have been able to exploit those kind of big spaces that they leave up with their kind of aggressive press and the way they press over or the way they leave their fullbacks high. Um, yeah, so they've got like players like Shane Duffy and um, the Borough guy, Gibson. Ben, ben Gibson. Yeah. Ben Gibson, yeah, yeah. Is, is, the, is the, the nephew of Steve Gibson, the Borough owner? Anyway, um, those are the centre-backs. And they're just, you know, I think one-on-one they can be got at and they can be pressed and I think they can be turned over. And I think the full-backs, they've got Jack Stacey at right back. He used to be at Luton years ago and the Greek guy, Giannopoulos, I can't remember his name now. Yeah, and they're kind of, they're basic, they're kind of very attacking, aggressive wing-backs, but they're not so great at getting back, really. So I just think there are, there's probably big opportunities for people to get behind them and get in, in, in behind them. And, you know, if, if you can exploit that, you'll, 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 you'll profit. You've mentioned some of the players there, Dan, that potentially might be bad for Norwich in this game. So uh, next question will be, which players do we need to look out for, good and bad, as usual? So are there any other players you kind of want to point out from Norwich? Um, yeah, I mentioned a couple in my in, my, in the build-up talk. I mean, um, I really, I mean, Gabriel Sarr is pretty much the playmaker in midfield for them. You know, most of the play goes through him. I really, really like him. I think he's a really good fun player. I think he's, um, he's, early in his career, he's been more of an attacking midfielder, but he's playing deeper here and getting involved in the build-up. So, yeah, he's really important. And Kenny McLean, him and Kenny McLean have formed a really good partnership in centre mid. I mean, that's a real strong part of that team. Um, that wouldn't look out of place in a, in a promotion chasing team or a, a decent playoff team, I wouldn't say. Um, and they've got this young guy called John, John Rowe, who's broke through this year, sort of attacking midfielder, straight winger. And I think apparently half the Premier League are already looking at him. He, he looks the bee's knees. Um, really sharp, really great finisher, really great on the turn combination play. I wouldn't call him a playmaker. I'd say he's more of a finisher, um, from, from that kind of line just behind the forward line. But yeah, th- those three players really stand out. Um, there's a guy called Christian Frasnacht who plays on the right sometimes looks to be a fairly tidy player in the ball quite a good crosser of the ball um, so he plays on the right hand side sometimes he was quite good and obviously I've mentioned Sargent and um, Barnes who are out so I think those two cause them you know have got issues sorry lead the team with issues without those two guys I think the, the drop off behind those two guys is is not is quite big yeah, I was going to say that um, I agree with the players that Dan's mentioned there. Uh, Gabriel Sarri is definitely the guy to try to stop to when it comes to their both um, progression and um, for creativity. Um, he leads their chance for progressive passes with 93 so far. So he's, he's really their most progressive player. Um, closely followed by um, Flynn, who's another player which Dan mentioned there. Uh, yeah, those are their two players who do a lot, of, lot for them. And if we can stick tight to them and try to limit their involvement, that would do us a lot of good in stopping them from getting the ball to their dangerous forward players. Um, like you meant, like Dan mentioned, uh, John Rowe is the one at the moment who's scoring the goals for them. He's scored six goals from only 2.2 XG. So he's finishing well above his rate at the moment. I'm not sure whether that will continue, but if, if it does, then that's something we need, need to watch out for. And think, another thing I noticed is their, their right back, um, what's his name? Jack Stacey, I think it is. Uh, that, that we mentioned before that the fullbacks get quite high and wide and he, uh, Stacey receives the most progressive passes for them. So he's, it's him and generally the left back above for the amount of pressure passes that they receive. That means they're often high and wide receiving these diagonal balls, which get pumped forward by uh, the, the midfielders or the centre backs. So those are the sort of things we need to try to put pressure on is when they're trying to hit those longer balls to the fullbacks to get them out of the press, try to, to force those out of play rather than to the man who's receiving them. But it would also be good to get 
one of maybe even our, if our fullbacks keep an eye on the their fullbacks, if that makes sense, because a lot of their their yeah. midfielders are quite central, and so it would make sense for our fullbacks to push up and meet them rather than sticking in field to keep an eye on the, their. I'll say quote unquote wingers because they don't really play like wingers anymore. Attack, central attacking midfielders like we saw with Mash. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of things to watch out for on here. But when it comes to the bad, it's definitely there. So centre backs, um, both Shane Duffy and the other one. I forget his name. Um, ben, ben Gibson. Ben, that's ben it. Gibson. Ben Gibson. Yeah, both both of those two can be pressed in the game which I watched against Swansea. Um, it was Duffy who was pressed. Um, he was and he he. But put a sloppy ball through to someone who Leeds fans will be familiar with, um, a certain Adam Farshaw, and the ball was awful. Even Farshaw couldn't rescue it, and he got he got mobbed to the ball, and then Swansea quickly attacked and scored. So yeah, the their centre backs is something that we can put pressure on. Um, their goalkeeper is also quite good as well. Um, Angus yeah. Gunn, he's someone who I watched over the summer and someone who I liked. So he will probably make it difficult for us. Um, we may have conceded a lot of goals in certain games, but without seeing all of them, I would, I would say that may, that may not have all been on him. But we'll see how that goes. Leeds fans will know that goalkeepers like to turn into time Neuer against us. So I expect that. That's what I'm saying. Thank you, Martin, for mentioning Adam Forshaw, because this is an All Stats Aren't We podcast yes. after all. <laughs> and we have to mention Adam Forshaw. Even if it, like he he is actually playing potentially in this game, but we'll try and mention him anyway. But yeah, I thought we were going to go a whole pod without mentioning him then, so we've we've got that covered now. No, yeah, Adam Foster does have potential to play. He is fit at the moment, and he started in the game which I watched against Swansea, which was not their last game, but the game before that. So he has got potential to play. And so a midfield pairing of um, McLean and Foster is pretty tidy, if you ask me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So last bit of on Norwich then. So what would your predicted lineup be, Martin? Uh, I think it's most likely to be Angus Gunning goal. Jack Stacey at right back. Nothing and Gibson at centre back, Jan Ulis at left back. Um I'd probably say McLean and Fortor. Um I'm I'm gonna go with Fortor just because I like him. So it's gonna be Fortor. And then as ahead of that it will most likely be Sarah in second midfield with um I forget what their wingers are called, but the young lad row will be up there as well. Um maybe Dan can help me out what's their wingers names who've been playing. So- 
there's the Polish guy, Placetta's played a bit recently, he's a left winger. Um, they play fast and act on the right sometimes. And they've got a couple of young guys that have been in and out of the team as well. I just does um, the guy called Springit, who I've never heard of before, but I think he's a 21, they're kind of promoting at the moment. Um, so, yeah, and, and they've got O'Neill Hernandez, but I don't think he's played much this season. He's knocking on a bit now, is Hernandez. I think he's in his, he's going into his 30s. But yeah, um, I'd, there's also potential for Adam Ida as well. He could play up front with um, John Rowe behind on the wing spots. I think they've been playing Placetta recently. He's the Polish guy. He's been on the left. And Rowe played on the right. Uh, but then another game, Rowe played at 10 with Placetta on the left and Fastnacht on the right. Uh, early in the season, it was Rowe and Fastnacht on the wings with Barnes and... Um, Barnes and Sargent as the kind of front two, with Barnes kind of dropping off as like a ten almost. That was what early in the season, but it's yeah, it's been they've been rotating quite a bit actually in the forward line, moving players around quite a bit. Yeah, that's the only part where I wasn't sure about was where the forward players were, were going to play, but the back line seems pretty steady. I think is got the back four and goalkeeper all sorted in midfield, but it's just the attacking players who weren't sure. Let's start talking about how Leeds might approach this game then. So, Dan, do you think there's Anything that Leeds might do tactically or structurally different in this game, in possession? Well, well, Martin's already brought this up. It's the interesting point about how we manage their fullbacks. And I was like debating this myself. Like, do we push our fullbacks onto them and make it kind of almost a, like a man-for-man job, you know, and try and match up in the middle of the park and almost go narrow four-two-three-one versus narrow four-two-three-one? really? Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we do that and we just go and try and use our, you know, our superior playing squad to, to, to outmuscle the game, so I wonder if we'll go with that, and then we'll just try and like step up on them and, and press them and try and hit them on the counter. So that's the big question, isn't it? You know, or do we go more cautious and do we have, have our wingers marking their fullbacks and, and and play more of a block and look to counter into the big space? I don't know, really. It's really hard to say, but I've got a feeling um, Fark will go fairly aggressive and will, will play for the win. I think he'll fancy his chances here. So I'm shocked if our fullbacks push up on their fullbacks, and it's quite a quite an interesting uh, intense battle pressing it's a shame you haven't got someone like Spence fit for this because like he you think he'd, that'd suit him more than it would someone like Ailing and then I guess Byron but I'd be quite comfortable with Byron doing that but yeah that Ailing doing that would probably worry me a bit but yeah it sounds sounds possible as a as a solution I guess Fat might want to go for the winter because he's his ex-club because yeah, that, yeah. that's obviously really matters to people doesn't it it does uh, Martin what about you on this one I don't think there'll be anything majorly different, at least not for the possession side of things. I think we'll still look to possess the ball um, and we'll try to get out of their press by not playing over it and trying to go through it. Um, we'll still look to counter when when they do give us the ball in favourable circumstances. So yeah, I don't think there'll be anything majorly different in possession, at least. Karen, if it was you earlier, Martin or Dan, so I apologise, but one of you hinted that Norwich kind of suit it, it suits them more if a team builds up slowly and then uh, they struggle a bit more if a team breaks on them a bit quickly. I think it was you actually, Dan. Um, so I guess we come under that, that category of a team that builds up slowly. So could you see us maybe try and speed that up a bit in this game or or not? Do you think we'll just try and stick to what we know? I worry about that a little bit because I think we are susceptible to a press. Although, I mean, Southampton showed that. Although I think the last couple of games have been a bit better, haven't we, at kind of building out under pressure. I mean, we were under massive pressure where we buy QPR, but I think Bristol presses a bit more and I think we handled it fairly well after the initial period, I think. Um, yeah, I, I suspect we'll... I think we'll try and play and I think we'll try and play through them. Um, 
and I think it's going to be it's going to be a risk reward thing, isn't it? And I, I I I think we'll try and play through them. I think it might play into their hands a little bit, and they might have chances on this one. I wonder if it might be a little bit one of those where the you know they they pick up some chances early on as we try and build into the game. That'd be my worry anyway. Martin, then, um, do you think we might change anything out of possession for this game? I don't think so. I think we'll try to press them because they are quite vulnerable to press. Um, they do seem to, to struggle when teams are coordinated in pressing them. So I don't think that that side will change. We will look to try to win the ball high and attacking quickly because it's given a lot of teams a lot of joy in the past. So that will be something that I expect to continue. So yeah, I don't think that side of it, the prison side of it, won't change too much now. Um, mm. Unless the only thing I think of is um, Wagner is possibly some, someone that Mark knows quite well, and so he may have a different strategy in mind for a particular game. Where it's like I mentioned before, whether the fullbacks will push up onto their fullbacks um, just to try to cut out that avenue of um, pressing the ball, that will be the only thing that I could think of. Obviously, usually our fullbacks will. Even looking to pressure the wingers more often, but with the wingers being quite central, I think it would kind of make more sense if that both the fullbacks did push up onto their fullbacks um, from both sides and maybe look to ensure that our midfielders are aware of the inside wingers of theirs just to make sure that they're not getting into too much space at the same time. So it, it could be a risky strategy and it could leave space behind which um, they could decide to switch up and go play a bit, a bit wider and exploit that space. But that is one thing that I think that could happen. What about you on this one, Dan? No, I don't think there'll be anything um, massively different. I, 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 I suspect. I mean, we've been quite good this year, haven't we? Have, have kind of identifying pressing triggers in some games. You know, weak weak players. So I wonder if there'll there'll be a bit of that from Leeds. We'll we'll, we'll go at like Ben Gibson or Duffy if they're isolated on the touchline. But um, no, I don't think there'll be a massive change. I think the, the the basic pressing structures will be much the same. I would think. Is there a player, Dan, that you can see having a big impact on the outcome of this game from Leeds' perspective? And as always, this can be good or bad. Well, so if we were to go man for man with the fullbacks, um, I'd be I'd be absolutely petrified if we went with Ailing. So, I know it's, I know it's, it's criticism du jour, and and I, and I was quite I'm, I'm not quite impressive actually. Great in his performance at right back, and I wonder about if he would be a good choice in terms of. Like his ability and his athleticism to cover that ground, and if he was beating the duel, his ability to get back into shape quickly and get back. So, and I would be happy with Sam Byram's ability to do that from the left back. So, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's those two again at fullback. I think just, just to, to give us that option um, of either going high and hard up against their fullbacks, or if we decide a different scheme and both players we need them tucking in to help with the midfield battle and have a different approach to managing their fullbacks. Both of those players could handle that as well, I think. You know, they're kind of good enough to handle kind of being, you know, inside supporting fullbacks or or one on one fullbacks. So in, in that respect, I mean that's that's important to the tactical battle. And I think um I think they should be petrified about Somerville and Rutter and Nonto if he's fit and Anthony and James. I think they'll have loads of joy. I think I think our wingers should be um like relishing this game. I think they they're gonna have us I think they'll have um, they'll have joy. In this game, so yeah, if we're going to win it, those guys are going to um, exp- they're going to have to exploit the space, but I think they're fully capable of doing that. I think I completely agree with everything you said there, Dan. Um, I did think Archer Gray for this one, like either right back or centre mid. I think if he's a right back, it might, like you say, it's suiting playing high and wide um, more so than it would Alien. But if we end up, if we do press the full backs with our full back, our full backs, and then you play centre mid, I think he'd be quite effective in covering like a narrow yeah. winger, yeah, as well. Um, so I would expect him to start. I just don't know what position. So 
definitely agree with that. And yeah, like like it was mentioned earlier about Norwich being susceptible to presses, uh, to quick switches. Sorry, I think yeah, our wingers are good enough that if, if they've got space to work with, then that that should that should be pretty good for Leeds on that yeah. front. Yeah, Martin, any other players you want to point out? I think Dan's covered them there. It's um, the fullback and for us, for them going forward, um, if we select the right choices, and that should hopefully deal with that. I wouldn't be confident with Ailing um, pushing up against their fullbacks. I would be confident if it was either Archie Gray or even better, Jed Spence. Um, don't know if he is fit yet. I know it was, it did say, after the international break, but that's potentially just back in training in the international break, so I don't think he'll be in straight away. Um, but yeah, if we, if we selected Archie Gray at right back again, I would be more than happy with that. I was extremely happy with his performance right back against Bristol. And I think the players what's out for us going forward is absolutely uh, Ruter and Hummerville. And I think those two will have a lot of joy. Um, but no matter which of our wingers are playing, they will find space to attack. Um, whether it's um, James or if it's Anthony, uh, there's lots of different options who we can attack them. If, no matter who it is, really. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think with the, the wide players keep attacking the either centre back if they're against them or, or the full back if um, they might manage to catch them one v one. That would be part of things that we'll want to look out for and that quite. And I know this next question is going to be difficult because it's a after an international break and we haven't had a press conference or any information for a while. But Dan, could you have a go at predicting the lineup for Leeds for me, please? Right. Okay. So, I don't, well, Melian goal, obviously. Um, Byram left back, Struke Rodon, and I hope Archie Gray right back. That's what I would go with. I'd, I'd leave um, Kamara and Ampadu as a centre mid pair, Perot Rutter as the front two, Somerville and. I suspect he will go with Dan James. Now, Anthony, did Jade and Anthony get a knock in the last game? Before the last game and Dan James came in? That rings a bell. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he he didn't start, but he came off the bench, did Anthony? So, yeah. Did he? Right. So, but I wouldn't. Yeah, okay. So, probably Dan James starting. I think he's had a good international break. So, perhaps Fark will see that and, and look to, you know, give them momentum. So, I think Dan James will start. Uh, Somerville, Dan James, and, and yeah, the usual front two. That'll be the team, I would think and hope. And like I say, the only thing is it'd be nice to see Jed Spence around the squad. Um, yeah, like you say, he did say he should be back after this break, so touch wood, we get some good news this week in his press conference. Is Shackleton fit, does anyone know? He had a, I want to say, a shoulder knock. He was a shoulder, yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd we'll have to wait to see if he is available. Um, but either way, if he is available, I would still prefer to start with Gray at right back, if I'm honest. He... He was unavailable for the QPR game, and after that, there was some talk of him being fit for Bristol City, but he wasn't. But that that kind of suggested to me that it wasn't too serious. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree with that. I think he probably will be available. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he's one of those options if you if you want to go with Gray in midfield instead yeah. of Kamara, um, or obviously Ailing. But yeah, I think that's that's the, probably the only obviously then it's another wing James or another winger. I think they're the only really contentious points for me. But how do you see it, Martin? Yeah, I pretty much see it um, the way I mentioned there. Uh, it's, well, at least I hope it's it's going to be either Gray or Shackleton at right back. Um, Byron will be at left back. Trauk and Rodden at centre back. And Marin and Ampadu in midfield. And Perone was up front. Then with Somerville. And I would probably say James as well will potentially start. Um, yeah, unless he's maybe up some sort of knock in the Wales game who knows perhaps for James's pressing as well maybe you might fancy James being a good pressing outlet as well yeah perhaps. yeah I agree yeah. let's start thinking about the game more generally then so Martin what do you expect watching this game of football will look like 
I think both teams will be looking to press quite aggressively quite early in the game, um, both trying to force the opposition into mistakes. Um, hopefully that will result in us having a lot of quick chances, and I think if we can get the get a goal early, make Nor- Norwich crumble and really lead to a heavy scoreline, I think we've been waiting for up to dominate a game and it's got have a really heavy scoreline for some time, and it could have happened in a few recent games. So I think if we do take advantage of early pressure and force a goal, then it could go one way. But if Norwich's press is also doing doing a similar thing and they can force us into mistakes, it could go one of two ways. So it's definitely going to be an interesting game to watch as to which German manager's press is more effective. What about you on this one, Dan? So one of my worries is that we get the kind of the balance wrong and we end up being overloaded in midfield. So they have this, you know, where the, they have a ten and the two wingers that come in narrow and almost become slightly wide tens, and then they have two centre mids, and they end up with a lot of players in the central area. And I and I kind of I worry that we get that wrong and end up being completely overloaded. You know, Ampadu and Kamara get absolutely swamped with all those players. So that's 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 a slight worry that you know Fart gets it wrong slightly in that respect. But if we can control that area and don't get kind of steamrolled through the middle. I think out wide we've just got way too much power for them and and, and quality. Uh, and I think we're just yeah. If if we can if we can if we can tie the middle of the pitch down, we will, you know we'll dominate the flanks. I would think. Yeah, I think I'd agree generally with both what you've said mm. there. I think I I just wrote down some notes and I was I just put pressy open and a lot of chances and that's probably yeah. like I might might be the kiss of death and it might be just like mm. the other nil nils we've seen in this season. But I think it could be quite an entertaining game to uh, to watch to be honest. Yeah, and then. Final question, as always. So I'll come to you first on this one, Dan. Where will the game be won or lost? It's 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 it's, it's the fullback battle, isn't it? And and how we can have just adjust the the rest of the team. So if we can really like dominate their fullbacks and and turn them over and have them kind of you know have them going backwards, have them go, turning turn have them going backwards. I think we'll just we'll have the you know we'll we'll um we'll beat them. I think I don't think their fullbacks and their centre backs will like chasing out wide at all. Um. But if we kind of get that balance wrong and, and maybe misjudge that and then perhaps leave space for those kind of narrow wingers to get in behind and, and you know, running out of defence, I think they can hurt us. Like John, John Rowe, you know, on the turn, he's a really good player, really really talented player, really good, you know, he'll be a Premier League player pretty soon, I think. Um, so if, if he re- receives the ball in dangerous areas and can get little combinations going, uh, they could hurt us in that respect. What about you on this one, Martin? Yeah, similar to what Dan said about the fullback area, that will be a big battle as to where this game will go. Um, if we get that wrong and we do leave space for them to attack, then it could be game over for us. Um, also, the sea general way both teams press is going to be a big key battle as well. Whereas so more effective at stopping the opponent from building up will really get joy out of this game. And also, just another thing to mention on what I mentioned there about John Rowan turning people, I worry about John Rowan against him. Um, because he's one of the who is more aggressive, and if Roe receives the ball quite deep, I worry about Roden getting too tight to him and, and being pretty turned. Because that's something which Roe is very good at. Like Dan mentioned before, he's very good at turning on that, receiving on the half turn, and then just going past his man with his pace. And I think that is something to watch out for in this game, as to as long as we make sure Roden isn't being too aggressive with him, I think that will be better. Yeah, I've, I've, I think. I would say on this one, it's probably not how where the game be won or lost, but I think something that will be important, like you said, Martin, is the press. And it's just, I think if one team can execute their press really well, then I think they'll have a good chance in this game. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to see how both teams approach that. And I think that brings us to a close on the Norwich preview. So 
I will do a quick plug for the Patreon, as always. So, uh, for those that don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay more, uh, pay money to support creators that they enjoy, and in return, they get bonus content. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all of our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to our preview pods, such as this one that you're listening to now. Uh, last week, we did a Q&A pod, which was exclusive to Pablo tier members, so they put their questions in either through Patreon or through Discord, and we went through it and answered as many of those as we could. Um, Martin, you were on that, weren't you, with me and Jacob, which was a really enjoyable pod, actually. Yeah. It was just like a bit more informal and just got to people got to ask the questions that they wanted and we could just have a more general chat about leads which we we don't really get to do so that was quite nice and i believe you guys have got a under 21s pod coming out in the next few weeks does anyone want to do a quick plug for that yeah so we're going to start preparing it this week actually so i'm going to be watching a couple of games this week and we're probably going to have a look at uh, a single player in the 21s and do a bit of a profile i was thinking maybe charlie crude there's been a bit of uh been a bit of hype around him so i just thought i'd have a look at him and just talk about his game and what he's good at. So that's something that'll come up in the next two weeks. So yeah, I'm getting on with my prep for that later this week once this recording's out of the way. So sounds good. Looking forward to listening to that mm. one. Yeah. Then yeah, if you support the Patreon, it, it really helps us out. Because uh, it means we get to do more content like the Under Twenty Ones pod or the Q and A pod, um, and it also helps us get on uh, opposition previews because we like to we like to pay them and we think that's fair for their time. So. If people sign up, we can get more opposition previews, which is good for everyone. So if that sounds good to you and you would like to access this content, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Patreon. We will be back next week with a review of the Norwich game and a preview of the Stoke game, I believe. It's another midweek one next week, I think. But until then, I will say thank you to Martin. Thank you to Tom. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tom. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye.